That's unified function call syntax. <laughs> Uniform. Unicorn. Unicorn. <laughs> yeah, it should be called Unicorn because we're probably never going to get it in C++. <laughs> that's, this is before your time in the committee, Connor, but that, that's exactly the joke. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah. Welcome to ADSP, the podcast, episode 85, recorded on June 24th, 2022. My name is Connor, and today with my co-host Bryce, we continue part two of our four-part interview with Tony Van Eerd. This is, here's another story I just told the other day at work. Um, you would get bugs, right? Um, you know, I, like I'm working on BlackBerry. We'd get a, we get a bug report that, you know, someone's typing and scrolling and there's the trackpad and, and it got confused about whether you were touching the screen or the trackpad or the keyboard because they're all so close together and stuff, right? And it's like, hey, can you, can you like filter out the, the, the mistaken touches, right? Like if you're swiping the trackpad, you want to not, you want to ignore the screen. You, you didn't mean to touch the screen. It was just too close to the trackpad, right? Which of course I had told them when they were making the phone that they put the trackpad too close to the screen. But anyhow, it's like fix it in software, right? Um, so I got, I, you get these bug reports like that, and the, the bug is called a Mike L bug because it's not someone complaining, it's Mike L complaining that he was, he was scrolling his trackpad and, it, and he got screen input accidentally, right? And um, so those were like obviously high priority bugs because it's, oh, it's a Mike L bug, you got to fix it right away. And my manager would take that part out of the bug. If it said Mike L bug in there, which everyone just knew what that meant, he would just remove it and leave a comment saying, remove superfluous information. Because my manager was just like, I don't care whose bug it is. It's either important or it's not important. And we're just like, man, you're just trying to get yourself fired, right? But, <laughs> but uh, he would do that. Um, the other part of that story is that every now and then I would be like, okay, I need to know, was he scrolling up? Because he touched the trackpad and then the screen? Or was he like scrolling down? He touched the screen, then the trackpad. Because, you know, you're going to handle that differently. It's easy to say, it's easy when you touch the screen, you can say, well, did you just touch the trackpad like this many microseconds ago? Because I'll ignore the screen touch, right? But mm -hmm. if you go the other way and you touch the screen and then the trackpad, am I going to delay every screen input to say, well, I'll, let me wait. Right, right. Let me wait to see if you touch the trackpad, right? Yeah. I think I ended up actually with, there's a region at the bottom of the screen where I do delay the touch input because it's like, well, wait and see if you touch the trackpad. Um, but anyhow, I needed to know which, what, you know, it's like, Someone go ask Mike L what was going, like, give me more information. And the people that, because he's not obviously not logging his own bug, right? Someone else logs the bug for him in, in this, into the system. You ask that person, it's like, I need more information. And they're like, oh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll talk to Mike and we'll come back to you. And they never get back to you because they don't talk to him because they're afraid to because he's the <laughs> big bad boss, right? And so finally, one day, we, you know, every, every company has their all hands and all that kind of stuff. So I went to one of the all hands. I waited to the end. Mike Ells does his stalking. I walked up to him at the end. I said, hey, I got a bug. I need to know. Like, tell me, tell me, I need more information. And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. No problem. Blah, blah, blah. We talk about this bug for five minutes. And I told him, I said, look, I've asked for this information. No one will give it to me. And he's like, just come to my office. He's just, just come find me. And I'm like, Excellent. I am now like firsthand, you know, first name basis with Mike. Just, hey, buddy, Mike. You know, just walk in when he's got a big meeting with somebody. Say, hey, Mike, I just got to just got. Everybody stop for a second. I got a quick question for Mike here. 
I got it. He's my guy, yeah. my guy, Mike, yeah. you know, <laughs> I'm important. Yeah. And then I left the company. So and I didn't actually get to use my power. I don't think it was, it was right before I left. And for those of you that are extremely confused on why uh, Tony was talking about a trackpad on a cell phone, uh, I will link a <laughs> I will link a photo of I'm not sure I had a BlackBerry Bold. I think it had one of those trackpads. Yeah, you did. had a BlackBerry. He's Canadian. We we give every Canadian gets one when they're when they're born. Yeah. When you when you graduate high school, you got one. I had a flip phone or slider phone when I graduated when I was in high school and then I used that into university. But as soon as I had my first co-op at Manulife in Toronto, I thought to myself, well, I'm, I'm joining the business world. I'll be get a ostracized if I show up, show up without a, a Blackberry. So I bought a Blackberry Bold. Wait, wait, you was, had an iPhone. So, I did not have an iPhone. I had one of those okay. flip phones or slider oh, okay, phones. Gotcha, um, gotcha. The early yeah. days. Um, anyone who's played NHL video games, right? NHL 2K, even like 2K14, 2K15. I don't know when it stopped. But um, there's like the trading, the general manager mode where you can trade players with other teams and stuff. It shows a picture of a BlackBerry phone as like, hey, you're getting a call from, <laughs> you're getting a call from, you know, Vancouver Canucks. They want to make a trade. And it shows a BlackBerry phone. And I'm sure BlackBerry paid to get this like advertising built in. <laughs> but it was also true. Every, that was, that was what it would be like to be a manager. Every manager had a BlackBerry. There's, there's no doubt that every, you know, GM in the NHL and every sport was carrying a BlackBerry yeah. so that they could do their their stuff, right? Yeah, BBM was like kind of not really like Messenger, but it was like um, you could only message people that had BBM, BBM right? Yeah. So like it was this, it was like you know, I'm not sure if it was before uh, Facebook or whatever, but it, it was tapping Basically, into the yeah. whole, you know, uh, same thing with Bloomberg. You know, you can't message people. I think that's changed, but at one point in time, yeah. people on Wall Street, like you were outside of Wall Street if you didn't have a Bloomberg. Yeah, on yeah. That it's the same thing. It's that critical mass. I mean, everyone's yeah. there because everyone's there. Um, yeah, yeah, everyone had BBM, and then or, or or well, or like the you know the the green bubble versus the the blue bubble on iMessage. You know, are you are you another trusted iPhone user or are you the other? You know, uh, Chandler, if he ever listens to this, is going to like yeah. You know, just tell him now, Chandler. Just ten seconds. You got to cover your ears because I'm going to say the word patent. But um, I think BlackBerry has a patent on speech bubbles in, like, <laughs> iMessage and stuff like that. Like, and yeah. Gary Klassen, the guy who wrote BBM. And so every phone in the world, you know, does speech bubbles. Um, and I don't know, you know, it's, it's corporate, you know, patents, right? The way, you know, they, no one sues anyone unless everyone sues everybody. And I don't know. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's new, it's the Cold War. Yeah. It's the Cold so War. here's the thing. Back to the the patent story. Um, BlackBerry, when I was there, had forty thousand patents, right? Wow. Forty thousand um mobile, you know, in, in a good industry patents, right? Um, and then someone sat down. Like, how do you figure out how much that's worth? Do you look at all forty thousand patents? No. You take a you do a sampling, right? You sample some number of patents. And you look at them and say, well, this one's worth this much money. This one's worth this much money. You make some kind of guess at how much this patent is worth. And then you average it out. And you say, well, every patent here in this portfolio is worth about $100,000. And so the whole patent portfolio is worth $4 billion. So like BlackBerry, even if they did nothing else, was worth $4 billion because they're sitting on $4 billion worth of patents, right? 
But that mm-hmm. also means that if I write another patent, it's worth $100,000. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad, right? Because as long as it's a patent, it goes into the pool of, well, on average, they're worth $100,000. So every patent I wrote <laughs> is another $100,000 on their books. So I'm just like, I'll just, how many do you want? Do you want, <laughs> you want 10 patents? I'll write 10. <laughs> I wrote patents for like, um, uh, uh, the 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 watch right like you know, when the when the Apple Watch came out I'm like how do you I, you know and I won't get into these it's okay Chandler I won't get into these patents but like how do you input text on a watch it would be really hard right because it's like a small surface um, but if you really want to input text on a phone on a on a watch I thought up ten ways of doing it and so I wrote them all down right and it doesn't matter if BlackBerry would ever implement those patents they wrote I wrote them down. And they send them off. And some of them get, you know, accepted as patents and some don't. And then they give me money. That's, that's what I did. I was, <laughs> I was like, man, I can make more money by sitting here in an afternoon writing patents. And, uh, and well, it's, it's, it's just like how, like, at NVIDIA, they give me, they give me a, a referral bonus every time yeah. I recruit somebody. And, like, it's, it's, I can just turn that into a full-time job. Uh, you know i have like a whole system i have a whole system you know uh john lakos tried to tried to tried to recruit me to be a recruiter after after he gave up recruiting me um he was just like can you find me stuff because he said like he's like the the amount that they would pay a recruiter for finding somebody in new york right is like a huge portion of the person's salary and he's like, yeah. he's like, I will give you the same percentage if you find me people. And and I can still stay in. Because every time he tried to recruit me, I'm just like, I don't want to move from Canada. I don't want to live. I mean, New York's great. But I just don't want to live there. Um, and uh, and finally, he gave up trying to recruit me. But he's like, well, find other people. And I was like, I could probably make more money recruiting people for Lakos than programming on my own. Because like, I'm getting a percentage of some New York salary but I'm living in Canada. And then I was like, except for I don't want to be a recruiter. So screw that. But every now and then I'll get a co-op student, which for you non-Canadians is intern. I'll get an intern who I know doesn't want to work for me. And I'm like, Hey, do you want to work in New York? Cause man, I can set you up. (laughs) I also just tweeted one from one of my interns. I'm like, who wants my intern? She wants to work at like Apple. And then Olivier is like, send her my way. So, See, I've always figured if I I didn't want to work in engineering anymore, I could go start, like, I I couldn't do a startup. I don't have any good startup ideas, (sighs) but I could, I could definitely start a recruiting company and it would be a killer recruiting company. So this, this is the same thing, right? Like, so Gary and I left BlackBerry. All right, pause, pause, pause. Let's just do some filling in here because I've realized we're doing like a, what do you call it? Like inside shop talk. Mm. So uh chandler works at google actually no our listeners know because we've had chandler on olivier <laughs> listeners a... who've listened to every episode yeah everyone knows chandler anyhow if you're in the c community i mean we're slowly becoming predominantly c but historically we were uh oh yes we would talk about should other we talk, languages we, at should times. we be talking about arrays sorry <laughs> no don't worry <laughs> um but so olivier formerly at nvidia now at Apple and is uh, from Quebec, Canada. Uh, Lakos refers to John Lakos. He works at Bloomberg in New York. Previously, are we allowed to mention that? The other well-known C++ person that is no longer at Bloomberg? I don't know. Which one are you talking about? 
Is that public knowledge? Oh, yeah. We can say that? Yeah. So David Senkel used to work at Bloomberg, but now is that Adobe? Yeah. So it's it's right now it's NVIDIA versus Adobe. I'm not sure which one's Marvel and which one's DC, but we're just collecting, you know, yeah. like... Whoa, 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 That's a bit of an exaggeration. NVIDIA has a much has hired a lot more C++ people than Adobe. Adobe's hired like one or two. Okay, so Adobe can be DC. I'm, I apologize, Sean, if you're listening. Uh, maybe he doesn't watch any superhero movies, so he doesn't but, know the difference. But he, uh, they've got they've got some like they might not have the the quantity, but they've got quality, right? Yeah. I got quality too. They've got, got quality. They've too. got Sean Parent. I got Andre. That's true. All right. All right. I got I got Eric. All right. Wait. Wait. Dave Abraham's Eric. Okay. You, we're tie. I think yeah. we're still tie. Darn yes. it. All right. But then But on top of that I got a lot of other people. Yeah, but then there's you. So that's yeah, like a down. Me. Like they they they, <laughs> <laughs> they also have Sean. We don't have a Sean. Yeah. We had we had, we had, I mean we had Olivier, but now Olivier has gone down. See, that could have put you over the edge. Yeah. All right. There was like the, there was this one week period where before Olivier left when yeah, when Andre, Andre had just up, joined. Yeah. And that was that was the peak peak C at Nvidia. Anyways, I interrupted because you said when me and Gary and I was like, all right, I don't know who Gary is, yeah. so we got so, we're gonna update update yeah. people and now you can tell me who Gary, Gary is. Gary I mentioned I, I just I mentioned Gary. Gary, it's Gary Klassen, the guy who wrote BBM. Oh, oh right, right, right. Okay. Um by the way, so Gary works at Google now, he works at Google in Waterloo. Gary is the most energetic person I've ever met in my life. He's the most upbeat, energetic, like for the first two or three years I worked with him, I'm like, I don't believe this person. I'm just like, there's not, it's not possible to be this upbeat and energetic and positive and, but he just is. That's just how he is. And he's still that way. I've known him for like is 10 years. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah. He is just awesome. Anyhow, um, uh, he left BlackBerry and I left BlackBerry like near the same time, but not at the same time. And uh, we ended up working together here at Christie, and we were both sitting here at Christie, and I was like, "Gary, you left BlackBerry, and at least in this area, he is known as you know the guy who invented BBM. And in this area, BBM is still a big deal, right? Because BlackBerry was a big deal." I was like, "Gary, we could have started a startup with just your name, just be like Gary Classen's doing a startup, just like one of these. Any you know, think of all the people like if Sean Parent went and said he's going to do a startup." Right, people would throw money at him. This just because he's Sean and Gary. We definitely we could. And I was like, Gary, we'll think of something, but we could just do a startup, and then later figure I'm a out patent what, writing machine. Yeah, <laughs> we'll figure out what we're going to do later. Yeah, you, you, you will just, pat, You will patent a process yeah. for developing patents. Yeah. But Has anyhow, anybody ever thought about that? Oh, for sure. That's probably yeah. a good idea. I mean, you could probably now get. Oh, I've got so many sad, scary things um, that popped in my head there. Um, one is that you could get uh, an AI now to write patents for you, probably, right? Just pump out some yeah. patent crap, and, uh, and then of course you patent you patent that AI. Yeah. So you know everyone's talking about the AI that could be sentient, but not really. Um, and it's like, yeah, it can't be sentient, but how long before that AI is used as a, a Twitter uh, bot that you can't tell anymore that it's a Twitter bot, right? Because that's where we're at. And it's going to get really, really hard for, for Twitter people to figure out, oh, this is a bot that's just, you know, spreading information and this is a real person. 
Um, cause right now it's still, you know, you can do it with the computer figure out, you know, bots sort of, but, um, these, you know, AI things are getting way too good at look, you know, sounding like a real thing. Kind of scary. Anyhow, don't want to put that idea out there for your, for those, uh, you don't want to. Okay, scary good. We'll, yeah. we'll make sure that no we, uh, one listens to this. <laughs> <laughs> that is yeah. true. Not as many people as CBP cast, that's for sure. Um, we'll get there. We'll get there. So what, we, are, what may not, we may not have quality, but we have consistency. I mean, they had both, so. <laughs> 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 what are you? Uh, oh, there goes my video. What, where? What are you? Um, so speaking of, we haven't even talked about uh, our incoming party, Canadian yeah. party. Yeah. I mean, they're calling it a conference, but we'll call it what it is. It's a party. Yep. It's a, it's a week it's a week long birthday party for me. Oh yes, that's true. it's been a while since you brought that up. I've uh, <laughs> I forgot. I shame on me for forgetting. How that. could you possibly have forgotten? <laughs> I've sent you. I sent you a calendar invite this week for the Bryce birthday. I'm dinner. sure he doesn't have to worry about forgetting. Uh, I'm sure he will be reminded. Even I don't think that was of. this week. I think that was previously. But so you're you're speaking. Yep. You're not only are you going to be there. You're going to be speaking. Yep. What? Uh, give us a little. Give us a little. Give the listener and potentially the listener slash attendee a a preview of uh, what to expect. Uh, I'm going to talk about functions. So um, here's the thing. Every time for the last like three or multiple years now, every since Sean gave his first talk at BoostCon. Um, which was like the first BoostCon talk of BoostCon. Um, there's this whole thing of like pushing value, you know, the kind of what I like to call value-oriented programming instead of object-oriented programming, right? Which, whatever that means, but like Sean talks about it, Dave, Dave Abrahams talks about it, um, and it's really hard to actually, you know, describe it and everything. So I'm constantly trying to, I keep telling myself, like, let's do a talk on value-oriented programming. And we'll just, we'll just explain to people what value-oriented programming is. And, and then it's like, and then the, more importantly, it's why is it, what's the value in value-oriented programming, right? And then I'm like, whenever I start doing that, all I end up talking about is functions. So, so I'm like, screw, screw values. I'm not going to talk about value-oriented programming. I'm just going to talk about functions. Because I, I don't know if you ever looked at code before. Um, people don't know how to write functions. It's uh, it's kind of scary. Uh, functions functions are uh, I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of bad code in my years. So so correct me if I'm wrong, but the title of your talk is value oriented programming. The title of my talk is <laughs> value oriented programming part one. So you want to write a function? So um, it's actually I see, a I talk see. about functions in the in the world of value oriented programming. Speaking of, uh, of, of of talk titles, uh, I need to uh, I need to change my talk title and description because I'm now doing a different talk at C plus plus North. Oh, consider this your formal notice, Connor. All right, <laughs> I will ch- I will update your uh, your talk title. So I guess why we don't need to give away the whole talk, um, and by we I mean you because I'm not the one giving the talk. But uh, why don't people know how to write functions? Uh, I mean, I've... Well, I, why? That's a good question. That's a separate question. I have an answer for. It. But, but what you really, what you what you think, you use certain words, but that's not what you meant to ask. What you were asking is, why do I think people don't know how to write functions? Well, you just said people don't know how to write functions. Right. 
do you think people know how to write functions? Have you looked at code? How, how mean, much bad uh, how much bad code have you seen in your life? You're just a young guy. I'm I'm like, not as much as you. Yeah. Yeah. What that's what? I did what well, you make it sound like I wrote bad code. No, I've just no, seen I mean, a lot of code in my life, yeah. I'm guessing you've done a lot more code review. Yeah. So most code is bad. That is just it doesn't matter where I've worked, most code is bad. Um and one of the it turns out that one of the things is just I asked this question the other day, what is the fundamental building block of programming? And you know, you might say classes. Classes are like no. objects. Those are yeah, I mean it depends on who you ask. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well the real answer is functions. Functions, functions is yeah. the real is it answer. Functions? Yeah. Not much happens I would without say functions. Cl cl classes are just like complicated parameters to functions. So 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 functions are the real building block. And they don't get used very well. Um but, you know, how many you know, you find functions that are a million lines long, um functions that uh just, you know, modify their input parameters instead of taking, you know. But now the real question you asked though is why are functions so bad or whatever you asked and this, this this was this even the last time i was talking to you yeah the last time i was on this without without bryce but there was uh uh ben and 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 i right yep yep i i did the uh lightning talk on complexing complexing oh yeah easy. yeah 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 that is why and and this is to this day this is my my I, it's my favorite talk even though it's like a five minute lightning talk um, and it's not even that the talk's good, it's that the idea in my head is good. Um, uh, complexing made easy. Every step of the way when we're coding, the easy thing to do makes your code worse, right? When I need to change, you know, like you're, you're sitting down, you've got a task to do, and it's either fix a bug or add a feature, you know, like that's, that's typically what you're doing, right? It's like, oh, I got to go in here and change this code. And so what you do is add an if statement wherever you need to add that if statement and like do some stuff. And it's like, oh, this is going to fix that problem and blah, 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 blah. And you just add some code just right in the middle of this function. You're probably in the wrong function because, but you went to this function because, because that's the code you knew. You didn't know the other code over there very well. So you started here with the code that you already knew, right? And you're like, oh, I could fix this from here. If I just do this, I, I call this other function. It gives me the wrong answer. But if I add 0.5, then it's the right answer. So, you know, I'll, I'll add 0.5 or whatever. It's just, it literally happened today. Like, cause I do computer vision stuff and the answer's coming back, it's off by half a pixel because people don't agree what, like is zero, zero the top corner of the first pixel or is zero, zero um, the middle of the first pixel, right? right. It's two different coordinate systems. So you're off mm -hmm. by half a pixel a lot. So it's just like, well, if I just add 0.5 right here, it's gonna fix my problem. Well, it's like, that's not the right place to add 0.5, but it's the easiest place to add 0.5. So you just do the easiest thing. And then it's like, um, should I add a new function for this? Well, that's harder than just writing the code in this current spot I'm at, right? Should I uh, put this code in this class here or should I put it in a separate class? Or should I just put it in a separate, it's just a free function that should be somewhere. And then if I tell someone, oh, make that a free function, it doesn't have to be a member of the class. They're like, well, well, where do I put it? What CPP file do I put it in? What header do I put it in? And it's like, well, make a new header. Make a new CPP file. It's like, oh, okay. But that's hard. I mean, it's not hard, but it's harder than not doing it. Every step of the way, 
these these little things, it's easier to change an existing class than to like refactor it or separate it or whatever. Now, maybe you always do the right thing. Maybe, you know, you're a good programmer and you're like, why would anyone just do that? You would, of course you would refactor when it needs to be refactored. Or of course you would write a new CPP file, a new header when, when it's a free function that, you know, is only partially associated with this class and it shouldn't be in the same header. But no one does that. Everyone just puts it wherever is easiest. And so many things we do are like that. So why is code bad? Because complexing is easy. It's the easy path. And good code is the hard path. That is my biggest insight of my life. So here's a super specific question in yeah. response uh, to that very high-level wisdom. I remember at one point in my first job coding in C++ uh, where I had this class and... I had basically a function in that class that was only using a single member. Maybe there was five or six members, but everything else was passed in as a parameter. And if you've read, I'm sure many people in the C++ community have either read Scott Meyer's books. And I think also there was a article on Dr. Dobbs, which is like way before my time. But um, Do you want the link? I, 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 have, I have slides with the article. It's yeah, encapsulation. Which, which uh, yeah, free functions improves encapsulation or whatever it's called. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's, it's translated, that article is translated into one of the points in one of Scott's books, but it's basically gives you this hierarchy of sort of the four levels that you should prefer. And you should always prefer non-member, non-friend functions if possible. And I remember writing this code initially and then was reading Scott's book at the, at the same time. And I, I realized that, oh, this only, you know, relies on the ID, which was just an integer. Yeah. Clearly I can move this outside and just pass the ID. Uh, just pass the ID in and poof, you're done. But I was so conflicted at the time of doing this because um it was like the it was like a calculating something from, you know, some information and and you were passing in the table and all this stuff and the ID was it doesn't really matter, but like the the function went with the class. Right. Like they were bundled together. And when you're writing this class, based on how most C++ IDEs work, you go write the class, you go dot, poof, and it gives you the options to select from. And as soon as you move that outside, even if it's in a namespace, we don't have uniform function call syntax, and most IDEs aren't going to recommend you. I have heard that in like CLion for certain algorithms, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it does have some amount of uh, recommending of like, oh, you might be able to use this free function. But I've always been torn because I know specifically that some other languages, like they specifically lean towards that design of like the friendliness of member functions and just being able to go dot and have autocomplete. And even though I completely agree with the article and Scott's point uh, that, you know, that's how in encapsulation, that's what it's designed for. I've always been like slightly torn just about the ergonomic, yeah. like, you know, the the experience of programming and having member functions automatically. And like a part of me thinks that the answer is that, well, we just, if we had something like UFCS and IDEs were designed, it would be the same experience. That's but unified like, function call syntax. Uniform. Um, but yeah, we don't, we don't have Uni that Unicorn. Though. Unicorn. unicorn. <laughs> yeah, it should be called unicorn because we're probably never going to get it in C++. Um, <laughs> that's, this is before your time in the committee, Connor, but that, that's exactly the joke. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah, it's it's yeah. not it's not a new joke. It's uh, it's not the first thing that's been called a unicorn either. There's other unicorn 
Uh, like unicorn initialization. I wasn't going to say it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, interested to get your thoughts. On- so, yes, there there is a nice ergonomics with member functions, right? Um, but long-term, it's long-term detrimental to your code base. Basically, that's the problem, right? Like how many, how many things can you do with a string? How many functions can you write with string? Like infinite number of functions you could write with a string, right? They can't all be member functions. So at some point you got to draw a line and say, this is not important to be, you know, because if it really is like, like the, 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 the first set of rules are just like, well, do you need the internal member variables? Like if you don't need them, that's a good sign. It doesn't need to be a member function, right? But it's not the only thing. Um, as an example, and like on the committee, um, I argue this sometimes. I, back back in the day when we used to have uh, meetings in person, I remember arguing this. Um, like string has two hundred member functions or something. It's it's terrible. It's a terrible class, um, and most of them could have been algorithms. Because they don't have to just work on strings, they can work on vectors and other things, right? Um, and then we introduced um, starts with, I think, is, is the, one of the recent functions we added to string, right? Mm-hmm. It's a member function. And I argued that it should be a member function. Um, but that's because the ergonomics are so bad when it's not. Because if you have a function that's called starts with, and it takes two strings... You're like, oh, which one's like the needle? Which one's the haystack? Right. Right. And and it's hard. But if it's, you know, uh, haystack dot starts with needle, no one is confused about about what that function well, does. Cl- clearly, we just need infix binary functions. Yeah, that could be the answer too, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's what Connor's thinking. Yeah. But but either way, the the you know there whatever. For every rule out there, there's going to be exceptions, you know, things to balance out. The answer in C++ is always, it depends, right? Um, but uh, the more member functions, I like to say that classes are made of Velcro. Um, the um, Classes are made of Velcro, right? You, you continually attach more things to the class. And then you start attaching functions to the class, and you're like, okay, this here's this thing that goes along with the class, we'll attach it. And then you add attach another function, and then somewhere down the road you're like, oh, this function doesn't really work unless I have this other thing. Oh, to fix this, I'm going to add another member variable to the class, right? And now your class has gotten bigger. You didn't just add new functions to it. You added new, you know, stuff in your class. And a class becomes this nexus point of entanglement where everything goes through this class, right? If you change one function or one member variable of this class, you might have broken all these functions, right? Because it's all, you know, they can all touch the internals and you've got like 200 member functions you have to worry about breaking when you change something. And you, that's, you've, you've entangled. Classes are points of entanglement unless you're careful about it. So that's, yeah. that's how, that's the other way you complex things is by, you know, someone, I, I had someone, um, I, I, I can't, can't give away what I my 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 interview questions, but um, I had a question about you know two points and and you know some function you could do on some points. T- Tony, Tony, it's not like you're on a popular podcast. Yeah, yeah. You can give away your interview secrets. Um, 
Basically, it's tune in next week to hear what Tony's interview question is. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed and have a great day.